devotional is found in Isaiah. We're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 43, verse 11. So I invite you to go ahead and turn with me to Isaiah 43. Um, our uh, verse is verse 11. We'll make occasional reference to the rest of the chapter. So go ahead and have it open, even though uh, a very succinct verse for tonight. And Lord, we do ask that you would just help us to hear your word afresh. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Isaiah 43.11 reads, I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. There's uh, an emphaticness to this. I mean, you can see it. He repeats the word I, I twice. Actually, it's even more emphatic in Hebrew. He uses a longer word for I. There's a short word and there's a long word. And he uses the longer one twice. I, I am the Lord. And besides me, there is no Savior. And so somehow, somehow God's identity, he's putting the emphasis on his identity as the Lord, somehow his identity as the Lord is connected with him being Savior and with him being the only Savior, with there being no Savior apart from him. So we, we want to unpack this, this identity. He, he makes such a point of it. I am the Lord. Besides me, there is no Savior. Now, this will be review for a lot of you, but it's worth pointing out that whenever you see the Lord in all caps in your Bible, in your Old Testament, that is the divine name. So in the Hebrew, it was God's name that is used. The tetragrammaton, the four letters, Yahweh, one pronunciation, older way of verbalizing that, Jehovah. But the, the, the same idea, the, the covenant name of the Lord. And it's... Uh, English translation tradition to replace that with the word Lord. So that's just a stand-in. It's not that the Lord, Yahweh's name, Yahweh means the Lord, right? It's, it's, it's not that that's the meaning of the name. It, the Lord is a placeholder. Uh, it's done out of respect. Uh, and whether you agree with the convention or not, there, there's good reason for it. There's good historical precedent. So we're not, we don't need to uh, poo-poo the convention. But the, the reason we do it is because going back to, uh, all the way back to Jewish tradition, which got to a point where the Jews would not speak the name at all, and they would substitute the Lord. So anytime they were reading the text in Hebrew and they came to the name, they would substitute the Lord, a couple other things. Sometimes they would say the name. You might have heard Jews refer to Hashem as God. That Hashem means the name. Right? So that's one way that they would refer, uh, because they did not want to take the Lord's name in vain. They were so afraid of taking the Lord's name in vain. It's like, well, if we never say it, then we're safe. Right? And so we might think that's a little superstitious, but that's the convention. That is the, the history of that tradition. And so we write the Lord uh, instead of the divine name. But whenever you see that, that all caps, that is a, a personal name. In fact, we actually don't know 100% how it's pronounced because people stopped pronouncing it and the true pronunciation was lost. But our best guess is Yahweh. So this is a personal name, I. I am Yahweh, and besides me, there is no Savior. So somehow, God is connecting his sole Savior status with his name. I am Yahweh. Somehow this, this name is connected to the fact that he's Savior. There's no other Savior. So why is the fact that God is Yahweh? Why is the fact that our, our Lord is Yahweh? Why does that mean that there is no other Savior? Why does God being Yahweh mean that 
means that he is Savior and there is no other. Well, we've got to understand this name. Right? We've we got to understand what, is, what does this name mean? Lord is a, a placeholder, but what does the name mean? Why does he choose to call himself that? Is it just a set of sounds that sound good to God? No, we're, we're told much more about the name. Uh, I think many of you know that this name comes from Exodus when Moses asked. He said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, which is the third person of I am, it's he is. He is the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. So when Moses asks, what's your name? What do I tell people when they ask me what your name is? He says, I am who I am. So you tell them, so he, he, he uses I am one more time. He says, you tell them I am, and then he switches to third person, and, ever, and then ever after. He is. He is, is who sent you. So that's roughly speaking, just linguistically, what the name refers to. We look at etymology, word history. Yahweh means he is. And there is much bound up in the fact that God chooses to identify himself this way, that he says when Moses asks, I am who I am. God has a prerogative, a divine prerogative to be self-defining, you know? He doesn't say, I am X, Y, or Z first. First he says, I am who I am. Rhetorical bite to that. You know, we all want to define ourselves. Uh, We all want to have that ability. It's a very popular mantra. Your circumstances don't define you. That's not really true. Your circumstances, your history, your dispositions, all of these things define you, and you don't have any choice over any of them, and they all exert pressure on you. We do not define ourselves. We're defined by ability, history, all these things that we have no control over. We are not self-defining. But God is self-defining. Nothing constrains him. He is literally the only being who is dependent on nothing, who is truly independent. The theological term for this is ase, or the aseity of God. God is utterly free, totally independent, totally in need of nothing. God is the only one who is just what he wants to be. And because God is utterly self-defining, utterly not dependent, not in need of anything from creation, he cannot be wearied. He cannot be defeated by anything in creation. And this dovetails well with the verse immediately before our verse. In Isaiah 43.10, we read, Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. Now what he doesn't mean when he says there shall be no other God after me is not no other God will come into existence. Many other gods have come into existence after the one true God both in the sense of people make up gods, but also in the sense that there are other spiritual beings that make claims on deity. Satan wants to be worshipped, right? Paul says, you know, people who make their sacrifices to God, they make their sacrifices to demons. 
There are plenty of other spiritual beings laying claim to deity that have come into existence. When he says there shall not be any after me, he's, he's contrasting that with the before me, meaning there's going to be no other God that outlasts me. Nothing was before me, and you look on, on, on into infinite, into the future. There will be no one who outlasts me. All other beings that claim deity, that are worshipped, they aren't self-defining. They can be worn out. They can be worn down, and they can be destroyed. And so the first reason that Yahweh means that God is the only Savior is God is the only one capable of any lasting saving because he is the only one guaranteed to outlast creation and therefore guaranteed to outlast every possible trial in creation. Because his existence is totally self-defined, he can be the Savior. Because no other being has a totally self-defined existence, no one else can be a Savior. But God's self-existence, the, the, his, his utter independence, is not all that his name means. I don't think it is. He says, I am who I am. And we'll do just a tiny little bit of ancient Hebrew grammar. It's not a tensed language, at least not the way English is, meaning... I am who I am, or I will be who I will be, or even I was being who I was being, those all look identical, right? Context has to let you know that. So your ESV will footnote. It's I am who I am, or I will be who I will be. That's important. He says, I will be who I will be. So one, he gets to define himself the way he wants to define himself. But two, then the question is, does he actually tell us at all who he will be? He does. In fact, the nearest statement in Exodus is in Exodus 3. God says, I will be with you. We don't hear it in English because we think I am who I am. We don't hear the I will be. I will be who I will be. And right there next to it, he says, I will be with you. I will be who I am. I will be who I will be. And who I will be is with you. I will stick with you. In fact, this makes sense in the context of all of Exodus. God, God is emphasizing his presence. Right? In Exodus 6, we have this little puzzle. In Exodus 6, continuing uh, Moses' dialogue with God, and the name comes up again, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am Yahweh. I am He is. He will be. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, Yahweh, I did not make myself known to them. And the puzzle that many commentators and readers wonder over is, what does he mean my, by my name I was not known to them? Because the divine name, Yahweh, is used earlier. It's used in Genesis. It appears in the mouth of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So there's really two answers to that. One is that that's just Moses writing the divine name earlier. Like Abraham didn't literally know it and say it, but since we know it now, we can say that that's who he was talking to. We can say that's who he was addressing. And so any time you see the divine name before Exodus 3, that's an anachronism. Um, so that's one answer. Uh, and another answer is, he doesn't mean the name was unknown, that the sounds were not used, or that God had not identified himself that way, but that he had not given them the fullness of the meaning of the name. He had not revealed the significance of the name in the way that he was going to. And when you take into account the whole emphasis on his presence, I will be who I will be, and who I will be is with you, that, that makes sense. I mean, I, I don't think it matters which way you lean, 
But uh, it, it certainly makes sense that the people in the Exodus are going to have a new experience of what it means for God to be God, for God to be who he is, particularly for him to be with them. Because remember, what does Exodus climax? The book, what, what does it climax in? You, ha you have the, the plagues, the dramatic leaving of Egypt, the giving of the law, but that is all the prologue in the book of Exodus to the final third of the book is all devoted to the tabernacle. God's house among them, something that the patriarchs did not have. God did not come and live amongst them in that way. God was doing something new in the Exodus generation that he hadn't done before for his people. So I'm going to come and I will be with you. I mean, notice how God goes on in Exodus 6. After giving his name, he then states his name twice. I am, I will be. And he sandwiches in between those two statements of his name a whole list of things that he will be. You don't hear it echoing in English, but now that you've had the little grammar lesson, hear, hear the echoes. God says, Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am Yahweh. I am who I will be. And I will bring you out from the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. And I will take you to be my people. And I will be your God. And you shall know that I am Yahweh your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for your possession. I am Yahweh. I am who I will be. And I will be these things. I will do these things. So you see, God's name is not just a revelation of his aseity, his independence. It is, but it is also a promise of fellowship and closeness. In giving this name, God is promising to be certain things for his people. It is a promise of his presence. And so, of course, at the beginning of Isaiah 43, it's not strange to read these words from God. So again, listen for the echo of his name. In Isaiah 43, we read, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, for, and the flame shall not consume you, for I am Yahweh, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. So you see, the second reason God emphasizes His name, He emphasizes that He is Yahweh, is, and that this means there's no other Savior, is because no other God, no other power, no other being will stick with you through all your trials and tribulations. No one. All other gods will abandon you, real or imagined. People will abandon you. If you give me enough time and pain and trouble, I promise I will abandon you or be destroyed, and then you'll be on your own. Other gods are not fireproof. Other saviors drown, but God does not. He can walk through fire and water untouched, and he wants to. He wants to stick with you in that. He promised to do that for you in his very name. Now note, he, he does not promise to keep you from having to go through the fires and the floods. No, you still have to walk through them. But you will not drown and you will not burn because God, who is utterly unfazed by such things, promises to stick with you the entire time. It's in his name. He says in Isaiah 43 also, You are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. So now hear that when you read God's name. 
when you see that Lord in all caps, meditate on how He is utterly independent and self-defining and how in His aseity, in His true ultimate lacking of nothing, His true ultimate ability to define Himself, He defines Himself by His commitment to stick with you. And nothing can stop Him from doing so. You think on His promised presence when you consider what it means that He is Yahweh. I, he says, I am Yahweh, the one who is unconstrained by creation and who chooses to be with you. And besides me, there is no Savior. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for all that you are. We thank you that you are who you are, that you will be who you will be, that nothing in your creation is, has any hold on you, that you need nothing from your creation, and so you are utterly free. And we thank you that in your freedom you have chosen to be with your people. You have chosen to be there for your people. And so we ask that you would help us, help us to be encouraged by these things, help us to trust you and to turn to you. Please do stick with us in all the fires and all the floods. Don't abandon us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.